Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Launch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Now, you will have heard in our promo for the show today that we were to be talking to Nicola Kearns about the situation at Retholt College uh, regarding iPads. About three weeks back, uh, Nicola spoke to Michael Reid on the morning show here uh, about the issue. And uh, last evening, we received an email to LMFM signed by a proud member of staff at Retholt College. Now, there isn't a name on it, but... uh, it says it is from a staff member. It's an extensive email outlining the other side to the argument and uh, putting the uh, situation to us from a different perspective. This morning, we sent that on to Nicola to have a look at. And a short while ago, she came back to us, Nicola, and said she would decline her offer of an interview today and that she wouldn't be joining us on the show. And I know a lot of people uh, were waiting for this who have uh, children going to Rathold College and going there Uh, next year and in the coming years as well you know the story it's about iPads and the use of iPads in education in the first second and third years of second level education which they do there in Rathoth and have been doing since 2014 the incoming crop uh, coming in now on the 21st of August this year parents got together and raised the issue about using this technology and the concerns they had and it's been toing and froing uh, ever since we also have a message which we just got in the last uh, number of moments as well from uh, a parent uh, who is supporting uh, the stance of the college there as well. It's extensive. I won't read the whole lot of it to you. And already on our uh, text message and uh, uh, also coming into us on WhatsApp, our message is about this as well. So if you have anything to say about the iPad issue in Red Thought, we'll still take those messages from you during the show today. 086 658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in on 185715 958. I'll just read one of them we have there. Regarding iPads in Retholt College, my daughter is currently in Retholt College using iPads. I have only positive things to say about it. Her exam results were all above 80%. We are constantly hearing one side of this story. Any parent who tries to express the positive side is just ignored. Thank you. I'd be grateful if you'd read this on your show, which I have just done. But again, I say uh, to Nicola, if she wants to come on and join us, she's most welcome to do so at any stage. And uh, we we'll leave it at that for the moment but I'll come back to it if I have more comments uh, during the afternoon on the show as well. Lots of guests for you to meet today on Late Lunch and we're starting with another uh, story hot off the press. Were you watching Primetime Investigates on RTE last night? An investigation into the Irish greyhound industry. Some of the headline uh, statistics that emerged from it uh, that each year in Ireland 16,000 greyhounds are born and almost 6,000 of them uh, are killed 
because they don't make the qualification times. The programme went uh, to China in particular was one harrowing scene with a greyhound there. The issue of ears being removed from greyhounds where they get their tag or their mark for life when they're puppies, etc, etc. So it raised a lot of issues. I wanted to have a chat with the people on the coalface, the people involved in the business who give it their heart and soul year in, year out and have for years. I'm joined on Late Lunch today by Michael Heaney. He's a well-known greyhound trainer in the Dundalk area in North Loud. And David McNamara is with us as well. He's from the other end of the country. He's in County Clare, another man who's steeped in the game all of his life. Michael and David, thank you both for joining me on the show. You're welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Uh, Michael, if I'll start with yourself first, uh, being, being the local man here in Dundalk, what did you make first off of what you saw last evening? Well, there's no defending what we saw on the television last night. No, no defending that at all. But I should say at the beginning that even in a court of law, any man or any person has a right to defend their good name. And all the thousands and thousands of greyhound owners around the country were not given that opportunity to defend their good name last night. And were all blackened by the one report or reports of things that are not relevant to them and that they were not responsible for. And I think that was heavily biased against the good, normal greyhound person who loves the greyhound. Okay, and, and, and we, I accept what you're saying there, and for people who've seen the programme, uh, and you're not saying anything, that's probably not wrong there. So you want to have your say, so here you are with me uh, today. Can I ask you something? You're in this game all your life, uh, and greyhounds have been part and parcel of both your lives for a long time. Just to bring our, our listeners up to speed, so greyhounds are, a litter of pups is born, and uh, to a sire and a dam, and obviously they're bred for the racing game or the coursing game. Are all those dogs bringing to maturity and given an opportunity to race or take part in the sport? Well, there's a number of areas there that was uh, neglected last night by the programme makers. Number one, as in any sport or any walk of life, not every greyhound or any dog of any description that's born makes it to adulthood because of a number of factors. Bitches lose pups, Mm. bitches themselves die. There's... uh, illness, sickness, etc., etc., that brings up before they're eligible to race at all. Okay. And the care that's given to greyhounds, and I, I would contradict what you're after saying, from the moment of inception, not from the moment they're born, from the moment of insect- inception, greyhounds are cared for and looked after to the very, very highest standard by the vast majority of honest, decent, good people. Okay, so Michael, we take it, and I understand what you're saying, and that is a fact. Uh, There are losses due to health, accidents happen to dogs as well, you name it, these things occur. Now, when when, when they grow up on their puppies and you start schooling them, and let's say, talk about the track, you're trying to develop them to race on the track, Dundalk being a local track, a wonderful facility it is, um, and and they, they start racing. There's a view that only the very best dogs with the greatest potential, like a Premier League, if you talk about soccer terms, actually are looked after and brought to fruition and race and the rest are discarded. Is that true? Well, it's a total nonsense. And I'll tell you why. Because all you have to do is ask any person who has a greyhound or who goes greyhound racing. The grades in greyhound racing, which you're suggesting is open race grade, the very best, go right down to A11. That's 11 grades of greyhound. So the very fact that people are assuming they're only the very best make it to the Greyhound track is total and absolute nonsense. 
Okay, so that grading system, because I better put my cards on the table. My father was a greyhound trainer in his lifetime. He's no longer with us anymore. And we raced all over at Dundalk and Navin and Shelburne and up the north oh, as well. I've had a few winners. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'll tell you what, you know, I, and I know you spoke to Louise, my producer as well. There's no doubt this game is about the love of it, isn't it? It really is. There's nothing else in it. Oh, listen, I tell you, and it's such a passion. Yeah. It's such a passion for people. And I have been accused here in my own home, as were the thousands of greyhound owners all over the country. You think more of the dogs than you do of us in the house. <laughs> and that is a fact. My and mother, I, my, including myself, yes, we've my, often went without my, Michael, to make sure the dogs were looked after. You're so right. I can still hear the words of my mother ringing in my ears to my dad as well. You think more of them than you do of us or your own health. And I can still hear her saying that. You're absolutely right. But listen, let's come back to the point of discussion here. There are different grades. So dogs are graded. So there's an opportunity for all dogs to compete and race. Absolutely. Absolutely. 11 grades, in the name of God, you don't get it in football. If we only had it in football, we'd have the Sam Maguire Cup and the Sam Maguire down to number 11. There's 11 grades of uh, greyhound racing for all sorts. All sorts. Okay, and right, they race, and typically, how how long of a racing lifetime have they? What what age do they start at, and when would they hang up their boots? Well, they might start between 18 months and two years, and that was one of the things on the programme last night. That they said the racing life for greyhound is two or seven months. Hello, some of the greyhounds will be racing for two or three years, more in fact, mm. more in fact. And I, I'll just give you a little anecdote. I know a friend of mine who had a very famous greyhound a few years ago, and he, he reached the very, very top, and they loved him that much that they brought him obviously into the house with him later on, and he kept him with him for years, mm. travelling. They wouldn't leave the dog behind them everywhere they went. They had and such a love. The dog became blind. And he could hardly walk. And I said to them, why don't you please just euthanize that dog? It's a cruel thing to do now to keep... And they couldn't bring themselves to do it because they loved the dog that much. Mm. And it came to the point that they asked me eventually, would I come and get the dog euthanized, which I did. And I told them where I had the dog buried and immediately said to me, we cannot visit that place anymore because we love that dog so much. But that is just an illustration of the uh, the grow that people have for the greyhounds. They're the most lovable animal that any person could have. Now, Michael, you love, and I hear what you're saying. What about when they finish racing? You give me one example of a very special dog there. But what happens when they're they're finished? Where do well, they go? I tell you, it's not one dog. If you go into any farm in Ireland, come back all over this country who who are the people who always kept greyhounds along with the animals. You'll find greyhounds there that could be nine or ten years of age age, still around the place Mm. because they love them so much. Naturally, in every sport, there are the exception to the rule. There's no doubt about that at all. And people, I've seen dogs on the streets, I'm sure you've seen them yourself, that you'd say, that's cruel. Mm. the way they're keeping that dog, the way that dog's running around. There's no denying that. But we should not all be tarred with the same brush. That's my point. Yeah, and and I, I we hear what you're saying. Stay with me there. I want to bring David McNamara in. He's from the other end of the country. He's in the Banner. He's in County Clare, and he's a man like yourself, steeped in the, the dogs for years and years. David, nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining me. Good afternoon there. How are you doing? Uh, good. You're listening to what Michael uh, Heaney has to say there. First of all, again, d- you saw the programme. Do you condemn what you saw in it? 
Yeah, I was I was disgusted last night in aspects of the programme, what i seen, you know, it's unacceptable uh, what some people were doing with the dogs, you know, but as Michael is saying there, you can't tear us all with the one brush. It's uh, it's an industry that I was born and bred into, one which I love and we're very passionate about in our county as well, you know, and um, like, as I say, there's a few bad apples in every orchard, but, you know, the greyhounds are, we're, we look after our dogs, you know, better than, better than we look after ourselves, you know, and, and unfortunately, it's, the, the the doggy game is in a bad place today over what was seen last night on the television you know mm. now when, when when they're born I want to come back to this point do they still you know have that identification stamp put on their ears I remember the the man coming from Bordnagan at the time and doing it with my father does that still happen every dog has an identifier that's correct every dog is identified as an identifier on their ear and they're also microchipped as well now you know so yes. the, the, the traceability of the dogs now is, is, is nearly it's 100% now, you know. The regulations and uh, they, your uh, Greyhound board have come out strongly to condemn the actions of a minority today and they say that uh, the game is highly regulated and has become more regulated even in recent times. C- can you explain that to us? How? Well, they have put a lot of money into the, the regulation of dogs in the last couple of years, you know, into the into passport and dogs and microchipping the dogs came in there as well a couple of years ago, you know. So, like, you know, the dogs, from the minute they're born, you know, they're, they're, they can be tracked anywhere they go, you know. Mm. And this figure they quote, 16,000 born every year, almost 6,000 are killed. What do you say to that? Is, is that a fact? That that's not that's not true at all. That figure is totally blown out of the proportion altogether. That's not that them figures are totally wrong. Like they're not that's not right at all. And there isn't six thousand dogs killed every year. That's 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 nonsense. That is nonsense. And you know? like there is. Could I, could I come in there for a second? Yes, come on, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't take into account the natural deaths of greyhounds that happen, over, as I explained earlier, over their lifetime. Mm. Number one. Number two. There are a huge amount of coursing greyhounds bred for coursing, who never ever make the track because they're not bred for it. Mm. That's included in that figure. So that figure is totally distorted, totally and absolutely distorted. And one of the disappointments of the programme last night, that there was no right of reply to anybody to dispute that figure. I, I, I take it your organisation is going to gather their thoughts on this and come back and, and, and formulate a, a response to this, but we'll, we'll see about that in time. Just, just on, on, on the point, Michael, you were making there um, uh, about the, the figures being wrong. The, the, the example of the dog in China shocked an awful lot of people. It, it, it was totally disgusting. But I do believe that that programme or that video was sometime about 20 years ago. But I bring you back, I bring you back to the point. If you go into a pet shop and you buy a poodle or a pup or anything, and you go and abuse that greyhound or that dog, is the pet shop responsible for that? They were sold to you in good faith, given off in good faith, and what happens in China or Pakistan is dreadful, Mm. awful stuff, but we cannot be held responsible for that. That's in a different jurisdiction, a different country. We have to make sure our house is in order, and as far as I'm concerned, and the vast majority of greyhound owners, everything is being controlled as best it can here. Would you be in favour of a ban in, uh, on the sale of dogs abroad at an age, you know, when they reach an age? Anything that would help to put the sport into a better light, I would be in favour of it. Absolutely. Anything that makes us uh, not look like the, the, the villains that we were all supposed to be. And I take exception to the way that programme was presented. It was shown as if 
this greyhound industry and everybody in it was some sort of a fiend or a, a, a devil of some sort. Mm. It's outrageous what they portrayed me and David and other people like. Those who were on exposing that program for being what they were, they should be banned from the game for life. Full stop. There is nobody would have any support for those people whatsoever. But I am not among that bracket. Neither is David. And there's thousands of honest, God-fearing, good people who were blackened by that program last night, and it's an absolute disgrace. David, what about from from uh, your perspective? The ban you'd go along with Michael on that one there. You know where where greyhounds end up when their when their life is over here, their racing life. Yeah, I would be I would be in favour of doing whatever would be good for the the animal when they would be finished racing. Like we need to put in um you know more into the, we need to put in a structure there. For, so that when dogs are finished racing, that we can we can help them, you know, more retirement homes and things, and look look at that aspect of it, you know. And I think what Michael said there as well, like you know, we are we are disgusted what happened because ninety nine percent of us doggy people love our dogs and they're treated to the best. And I think myself personally, those people that have done wrong and they were named and shamed last night, I think now it's time for the IGB and the ICC to stop burying their head in the sand. They need to get out there. They need to act on this, not not next week, not the week after. They need to act on it straight away. Those people need to be banned. Their license is taken off them. We need to clean up this, this sport and get it back on track. That has to be done immediately. There's no not, The nonsense has to stop. The IGB and the ICC have to come out with a plan. They have to ban these people immediately. Get this sport back to where it should be. It's a great sport, and I think this this needs to happen straight away. So what you're saying is, David, there is an element of rogue, a small element, a rogue element in the game. There is a small bit that was seen last night. There was there was a we. There's no point in naming anything. Everyone knows who was named last night. There was a trainer caught up the country three times. The department raided his premises three times. He was caught. Yet he turned around and said then that he blamed the meat. I mean. The, the man down in Cork that was transporting the dogs. Why haven't they, Why haven't they, the Minister of Agriculture, why haven't they taken his licence off him? Why have these lads still got licences to train dogs? They shouldn't be allowed whole dogs anymore. It should be stopped. And let the people that will look after the dogs and do it right, let them, let them do it and stop these people, you know? Michael? Yeah, I agree entirely. And as I said, you can't uh, paint everybody with the same brush. And people who have done wrong... Well, when I tell you, it happens in every sport. It's not the exception. Mm. Uh, every sport in football, in Gaelic football, in soccer, in every sport you can think of, there's a rogue element within it. And the only thing for the authorities to do is to stamp down on them, cull them, get rid of them. They're not worth keeping on. They're not worth even us talking about them today. They should be just banned from the sport, end off. And I don't think you will find one person not one person in this country or abroad who would dispute that. Mm. I love my greyhounds. My family love my greyhounds. Everybody does. And it's a dreadful, dreadful thing that I am being accused of being neglectful or David or anybody else to the dogs that they actually love. It's a shame. And Michael, that's what you're hearing from your fellow trainers and people in the game today. This is the message you've been hearing since the programme went out last night across the board, that people are really annoyed about this and concerned and feel that it was sort of a a one-way street. It was totally biased. It was totally biased. And I'm not disputing the facts. Yes, that's important. They are the facts. But you cannot tear us all with the one brush. Uh, and I've been in sport all my life in Gaelic football and so on and no manager of a team that I ever knew sent someone out to do damage 
on a field. Mm. Yet some people do it. Mm. So that's the nature of the human being. There are people who have a weakness. Uh, most of the people that I know who are owner breeders look after their own dogs, train their own dogs. They've been taken on by the professionals. At the end of the day, the professional has to win to justify his fees. And if that's the start of the, the sport, they should be eliminated. Full stop. The other element of this is, you know, we've talked, David, about puppy farms on this show before and uh, what goes on there and very dubious practices and selling these off as well and the conditions they're reared in and bitches, etc. Is there any element of that in Ireland where, where greyhounds have been reared or is, is the rearing of greyhounds nearly all confined and this whole market to the game itself? Um... I think anyone that is breeding uh, greyhounds, they're, 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 the standards and their facilities are top class. Okay, you know? so it's within the fraternity, really, we're talking about here. There's no rogue element outside of that. Um, not, not from what I can see yes. in, the breeding, in the breeding industry, okay. in the greyhounds, you know? Okay. Not, not the breeding of them, not the breeding of them. The breeding of them is 100% sound. Okay, right, and, and, and within the industry as well. You've come a long way and there have been, you know, a tightening up all over the place. A lot done, a lot more to do. Would that be it to, to, to finish? David, back to you for a second. Sorry there, no, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, sorry, David, I was just saying there's been a, lot, there's been a tightening up, especially in recent years. Uh, we're hearing what you're saying, the love you have for the care you have for them as well. A, a little more could be done, you're saying. Well, look at uh, they, they can. No matter what game you're in, you can always do more, you know. And when when things need to be tightened up a small bit more and cleaned up, you know. First of all, we need to the, 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 we need to look at our owners. Need to look at themselves and see what they can do better as well, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, and 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 we need to, as I say, like <sighs> there needs to be action needs to be taken out to clean it up, and that's it straight away. And and like it's up it's up to the. It's up. It's up to the powers. That it's up to the IGB and the ICC and, and these lads. They need to, to to come on board now, and they need to get the ball rolling too. Here, you know, it, it can't be. You know, they they have to they have to get out now, and they have to start sort, sort this problem out. Because if they don't sort it out, if if there isn't something done about this, you might as well pull the plug on us. Because you're 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 going to have to try and we're going to have to try and build back up on your sponsors for races, and you're, you know you're going to have to get the people. To, to like the sport again after what they've seen last night and it's going to take one hell of a drive to get this game back on the road again you know Michael final word to yourself yeah the love of the greyhound is one of the most important factors in this the love of the man or the ladies or the children have for the greyhounds and the very thought that anybody would abuse them the more than you would have a cat or a poodle or anything at home would be anatomy to most people uh, I consider yourself today for example to be the good Samaritan the other person is coming on, at least you give an opportunity for the other side to be viewed. Mm. That, unfortunately, was not, that opportunity wasn't given last night on, on that programme. It was heavily biased against greyhound racing. And in my view, it's an attempt to destroy the game. And it should be resisted at every level. And I would be very, very disappointed. I would be shocked that if the people who are so-called representing us in the doll don't get their finger out and sort out this problem because it was a totally biased program. And I can think of a lot of issues. I am a pioneer all my life. I've never taken a drink. There are people going out in cars every day, drunk, driving, and getting away with it. That is an issue that has never been tackled properly in this country. And I would love to see RTE having a program dealing with the very, very fact that I'm dealing with, plus 
for cruelty to children in this country is absolutely brutal. There are people in dire poverty all over this country whose children can't get a bite to eat, and I'm highly passionate about it. And why RTE should spend taxpayers' money in producing such a load of drivel last night is beyond me. Michael, we leave it there. We hear what you're saying for the day. You are certainly passionate about your game. And I thank you both for coming on, Michael Heaney and David McNamara, to hear your side uh, of the uh, conundrum that is, and the wonderful sport that is, Greyhound Racing. Thanks indeed, gentlemen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I, I hear what Michael's saying there at the end, you know, about other issues, and they are valid issues as well. But this is a valid issue too, I have to say. That, you know, it's an investigation programme and it took an angle and took attack and it raised uh, the hair, no pun intended there, on a number of significant issues as well when it comes to animal welfare. And we see that and we understand that. But you hear what they're saying from the uh, guys who are passionate about this, who just have a love for it, who don't make a living from it or whatever. The love they have and what they feel about it and how they want the situation to be rectified and the rogues rid of in greyhound racing. Yes, tomorrow afternoon, Late Lunch coming live from the Hinterland Festival in Kells. We'll be in the Headford Arms at the show and we have a fantastic lineup for you. I have a day pass to give away to everything that's on at the Hinterland in Kells tomorrow. And remember, the town is coming alive this weekend. You're going to have a mix of literature, art, history and politics and a whole host of children's events. And the likes of John Boyne, Sinead Gleeson, Hugo Hamilton, Nick Hewer and Jim Fitzpatrick are there to name but a few. And the wonderful Fred Cook, yes, he's on tomorrow night as well. So would you like to have... Uh, to go along to the hinterland tomorrow. I have a pair of passes for Friday, so we'll give the two passes to one listener this afternoon. Okay, and that lineup uh, it's stellar, to be honest with you. So here's the question. You know Martina Fitzgerald, uh, the former RTE political correspondent, she's involved with the hinterland as well, and she wrote a book recently, a book about women in politics. What was the name of the book? What was the name of Martina Fitzgerald's book about women in politics? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and you'll win two passes to the hinterland to go to anything you like tomorrow in Kells. Best of luck to you with that one there. Now, you know the music industry, bands and groups come and go, but when I tell you my next guests have been together, listen to this, for 50 years. They must like one another. I'm talking about the village folk, yes, and we're joined on Late Lunch this afternoon by the three original members of the group, Martin Murray, Seamus Clinton and Mick Griffin, and the latest addition to the <laughs> to the band. She's laughing at me. You know her well. Yes, it's Ailish Quinn, and she's with them 22 years, and she's the baby. Folks, you're all very welcome to Late Lunch. Great to see you all. Very much, yeah. Can I start with yourself, Mick Griffin? Well, let me say congratulations to you all on 50 years for start. And hail and hearty, you're looking. Thank Mick you. Griffin, bring me back. Do you remember your first ever gig 50 years ago? I remember the first gig was in the Pirate Stand in Clarehead. Uh, John Penton, the owner at the time, God rest him, he passed away since. The reason I remember it so specifically, he came up to me in Westgate one day, years after, to remind me what night he started and what he paid us actually. It was £3 each we got. Was that a lot of money? And that was respectable money at the time. Oh, I'd say so, in 1969. And how long had you been rehearsing or practising for that? How did you come together? What's the genesis of well, the The of very the start was Martin, I always sing his praises, Martin was the first man to get a guitar. And I met with Martin, and uh, he persuaded me to try and learn the guitar. Maybe I might never have picked it up. People might say I still can't play it, but however. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're not nodding, by the no, way. They're, they're very not. diplomatic. <laughs> 
Uh, I went to Tommy Lady, fair place, and he's still hale and hearty. And I bought a guitar for seven pounds of him. And we, myself and Martin rehearsed in his hay barn at home. And we, we, we moved on from there. And then we got to know Seamus. He came home from England. He'd been working over there. And we got together and started doing a few numbers. And we decided we'd have a The go. rest is history. history. Where, did the, where did the name come from, the village folk? Well, I think Seamus, you were the first one to suggest yeah, it. You yeah, were saying O'Neill's had a had a, a, a pub that was called Connolly's, and then they kind of built a, a, a kind of a small extension onto the side of it, and they kind of called it the Village Inn. And we used to go there tricking around with music on us, maybe Sunday morning or for a few drinks. And, yes. And that's where the name stemmed from. Okay. The village, village Inn, Village Folk. So we decided, and the rest is history. That's it. It, it took yeah. over. You were yeah. you were in England. What were you I doing in England? Working over I there. I was working it? in England. Yeah. Yes. And, and and when I came back, as I said, we were the boy, the two boys. I got to know the two lads. I knew Martin before I went, but I didn't know Michael. Mm. So we we were tricking around in the, in in O'Neill's on Sunday morning, and someone says, "I think we should form a group." So that's what we did, and that was it. And here you are all these years later. Yeah. Do you remember those rehearsals well, Martin? You know, you talk about it in your place. Oh, I I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, they weren't very formal now I'd say they were it was uh, you know touch and go but um, and then we were shaky enough I'd say starting out still shaky here <laughs> don't be <laughs> shaky <laughs> how could you be shaky yeah. 50 years on and yeah. on I the know. stage all those gigs yeah, yeah, you've performed yeah. come on survived I would say yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. you've yeah. more than survived you've yeah. thrived let yeah. me say yeah. what would you say was your uh, style of music starting out because you cross several genres in yeah. what you play don't yeah. you yeah, yeah. Um, well I think Seamus had been in, uh, around the folk clubs in England and he yeah. had a yeah. A real thing for uh, folk songs and yes. stuff like yeah. that. And yeah. in fairness, like Seamus would have been the singer. Yeah. <laughs> he I? carried the cannon that way anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're the and Freddie had, Mercury or the Mick Jagger. Seamus had plenty to yeah. say. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure have. <laughs> if they didn't like it, he told them, but well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hard luck. Yeah. So you're the vocalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, have, if you call that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm curious about this because there's lots of people have come and gone in this lineup and joined you and, and went yeah. as well. And sadly, some have passed away, and we'll remember them in a moment. Mm. But basically, you three have always been there. Has it been continuous? Yes, for the yeah. fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Martin took a break in in around, was it seventy one or two? Or yeah, I went abroad. I, I went abroad. Went, to, went abroad to Bermuda to work, mm. and. Yeah, myself and me kept going. Then mm-hmm. Joe Kyle came in. Mm-hmm. Then Joe left, and then Frankie came in, and and you know, and it kind of musicians came and went yeah. down through the years. Yes, yeah. but the village folk kept going the regardless. Still it's still going. Yeah. Some of the names I was just looking at there, and I'm sure these will ring a bell. I'm just going to read a few of them. Yeah. The, Harry Martin, now you're talking yeah. about a legend when it comes to the music there. Head, yeah. Frankie Cudden, Declan yeah. Flynn, Podge O'Hare, Fergal Grimes, Joe Coyle, Phil McDonough and Mick Slattery. And I also want to mention, I knew this fella and he was so talented and he was taken from this life all too young. Brian Leahy played oh, with you. Yes, what? Yes. The great Brian Leahy. Do you remember him well, Mick? Very, very well. Very well. Uh, Brian would have been a difficult man to, to work with. He was very particular about his music and so talented. He, he'd frustrate you really. Mm. And but he was part of the group when we played in the, in the Star and Crescent. We did the 
Passage to Stardom talent competitions, and I have to say at the time, we probably yeah, were as yeah. good as was out there. Yeah. In fact, we were beaten by a one point one year for the All Ireland by a man called Paddy Fallon, a comedian from Dublin. No, no. And it was on the Evening Press. That we were just hit by, a, by one point. <laughs> you just got the headlines we in the, the national headlines. papers. Herald or Press, yeah. they were selling you on the corners of the streets all over the country. But you were successful there in yeah. those competitions. Yes. Was, there, was there a few pounds for you for runners up in that? Oh, there were, well, part of the, the deal was I were brought to, to America for the trip. Yeah. Free, it was a free trip. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I want to mention. Not alone have you entertained people on your home patch here in the northeast. You've travelled extensively. Oh yeah, we yeah, we've travelled to we've been in Blackpool and more recently we've we've done a lot of stints now in Austria. What's the link? A friend of ours he came up to me in the pub in Delique yeah. one October day and he said to me I, I'm taking over a pub, he said, and I want you lads to, to open it, uh, to play for me on New Year's Eve. And I yeah. said, there's no problem, we'll sort that out. He said, there's a one snag, it's in Austria. And I said, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> and it wasn't. He actually did take a pub in, in uh, San Johan at Salzburg. Yeah. And he flew us out, expenses paid, yeah. and we went back eight times to play in it. Fantastic. Fantastic experience. Yeah, fabulous, yeah. What about the American trip? Where was that to? What was that, that was about? Most in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Florida, yeah. That was along with the, the kind of the passage to stardom. Who was it? Was it Joe Fay, was it her? Joe Fay Travel. Travel. Ah, oh, yes. the late Joe. Yeah. He passed yeah. away last yeah. year, yeah. There was Desi a lot Quinn. of musicians on that now, you know. Mm. There was a lot so of sort of a tour from the show. Yeah, it was, it was a kind of show case. taken and brought over. Yes. Yeah, Showcase. I see. In, these big auditoriums in Miami. These were years ahead of the X Factor on tour. They bring it all yeah, over the yeah. world. Was, the village folk were, were there. It was a wonderful experience. The Sheridan yeah. Beach you know. Hotel. Yes, was it? Yeah. yeah. Now let's bring in the lady who's with us today because I have to tell you, it's Ailish, Ailish Quinn, who put this on foot here today and said to me, Jerry, would you have a chat with the boys? Of course I would, I said. Now, have you broken new ground with the village folk in that you are the only lady member ever? No, Bridge Murray was sure, a member yeah. before me. Right. Um, I probably I'm probably the longest. Yeah. Serving female member. How have you survived with these? It's been rough, <laughs> Jerry. It's been rough. <laughs> 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 um, look, we, we've never held back in what we've said. If we've problems, we talk about them. But when we get on the stage, yeah. It's a, it's a team. Mm. And you've played around with, I don't mean that in musical terms, uh, with a lot of different groups and types of music as well. Is this special with these guys? Oh, absolutely. This has been... This is what launched me into music. Really? Yeah. This is really what got me going. You know, I was playing for years and I was trekking around Carberries with Jim McArdle and the great Wally Murphy and Tom Sullivan and the boys. Um. But when I teamed up with Mick and Seamus, it was it was a different ball game because it was on stage. It was the three of us. There had to be that cohesion between us yeah. to make it work, mm. you know. And luckily, we just we slag each other and <laughs> you're we well ha- we able for them. Crack. Well, well, if you have to be well fit for. I'm it. sure you do. Come on, tell me. We call her uh, the musical director. The musical oh, director. I yes, see. Yes, also, I'm the boss, Jerry. Oh, you <laughs> see, this is it. You see, she's running the show now. She's a jar. I said you were the baby. Yeah. Twenty-two years, is it? You're yeah. With them? yeah, twenty-two years I'm with them now. Oh, listen, you're part and parcel of the, of the village folk history at this yeah. stage, aren't you? Listen, let's hear what it's about. Will you introduce this first song we're going to listen to? There's What's this first, one? The first one is a tune. Uh, I think it's Garrett Barry's and come west along the road. Yeah. And, and this uh, this CD was recorded a few years ago back in for the 40th anniversary back in 2009. 
So we have the great Mick Callaghan on whistle joining us. And Pat Gogan. Pat yeah. Gogan from Denore is, is featured on this as well. As yeah. well. So the song yeah. is called once more? It's called Garrett Barry's and Come West Along the Road. Let's hear it. No, the oxygen masks haven't come down from the ceiling just yet. <laughs> 50 years, the village folk, they're marking it at this time, are with me on late lunch today. And I'm delighted to have them with us. Martin Murray, Seamus Clinton, Mick Griffin and Elise Quinn are along with us this afternoon. Stories, stories, stories. Who's going to tell me a story yeah. or two from the history? Yeah. Come on, Seamus. I remember uh, uh, it was 1972. Where we were booked to play in a, a place called Quigley's Point top of the top of Donegal so we headed off so it was a free weekend and we headed off on the Friday around 4 o'clock and was it between Cullen and R.D.? No, it was Nubis County Nubis Monaghan, Monaghan yeah. yeah, never sorry. forget Nubis, <laughs> come on a little bit little bit further north so Nubis, yeah. Yeah, Michael, Michael was driving a, a Renault 4L and stone or something from Joe's car up window screen smashed the window gone, gone. <laughs> so we had to drive the whole way from there to, to Quigley's Point in Donegal. But it was raining heavy, Seamus. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With no windscreen. Oh, yeah. Never forget. And that was the height of the Troubles, yeah. 1972, when you had to cross. We had three bother, two or three bother crossings. Ochnachlai, Lifford, Bacchick, you know, and British soldiers there, you we know. We pulled in at Lifford and the, the police wouldn't, right, wouldn't stuck accept my story at all that there was yeah. some rocket and we you know. had to get confirmation from the local station in Dulic that we were yeah. who we were. Yeah. Well, a half an hour that day. You could have been gigging in Castle <laughs> in Castle Ray Detention uh, Centre yeah, that Martin, evening. Martin was big into the photography yeah. at the time and he had, a, he had a tripod for the camera in the back and they wanted to know what that was. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah. it was, it was this kind of scary at the day. time, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evening yeah. press, village folk cause major security alert <laughs> in Ulster this yeah, afternoon. Yeah. But you drove all the way, no windscreen. Yep. Oh yeah. my God. And yeah. it wet. Oh, and we, were on, we were on the same show, the same night. It was uh, Geraldine Brannigan. Yeah. yeah. Phil Cooler's wife. Yes. Yeah. Was, was on the, the same bill as you. Yeah. Yeah. What was the other one? You just had um, a frosty experience somewhere, was it? Oh, yeah. Where was that? That was in Cavan. Okay. Tell us what happened. Uh, we were. We had a we had a van at the time, and we had a driver, and and 
I think Martin was in, in Bermuda at the time in uh-huh. sunnier climates. <laughs> but uh, when we when we arrived in, it was very frosty and snowy. And we when we arrived down there, and so the place was, we don't know where the people came from. This pub was actually in the middle of nowhere. No, packed, packed in capacity. So great gig, great gig. When we left, got up to, to leave. Well, after a, a session of drink, and and started to get out, couldn't get the van out. So Mick had to get back for work the next morning. So we eventually got we dug it out anyway, and we 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 got it out onto the main road. And sure, every what three or four miles we had to stop, knocking the door for, <laughs> for water in the radiator. Yeah. But you just got home. We got home eventually. Half past yeah. five in the morning. We got home. Yeah. What about the hair dryer? Isn't there a hair dryer story? Where was that? My, my well, come on, Mick, tell me that Actually, one. Actually, <laughs> we were playing at Blackpool and we were staying in this bed and breakfast. It was a three story building. And Declan Flynn and myself were the two uh, single guys on the trip. And we had to sleep in the attic room. And it was so small that you had to go in and close the door to get into the beds. So Declan was one end and I was the other end. And I got into the bed and I was nearly asleep. And I heard this whirring noise. And I put the light on, and here Declan with his denim jacket on and trousers, sitting up in the bed, shaking with a hairdryer down inside it to keep to warm himself up. <laughs> <laughs> and was it that cold? It was that cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different take on the hairdryer treatment yeah. you just heard today yeah. with the village folk. Really Can you pinpoint, you know, in over 50 years and all the gigs you've played, all the venues, all the people you've entertained, yeah. does anything stand out in anybody's mind as being a real special one? don't really know probably the, the probably the first gig was a special one you know that always stands out in your mind in the harbour bar the first gig yeah, yeah. With yeah. just the three of us three yeah. not knowing what to expect or you know and we just got up and hoping this this will work it did work <laughs> it certainly you know, did so the crowds from Belfast yeah. the north of Ireland will be down for the 12th of July and yeah. it used to be packed and yeah. we, we no. used to sing the sash that time but, in the, no, no. but it didn't Couldn't last for long we were told to stop <laughs> after a while yeah. oh you were singing the wrong thing the standout <laughs> gig for, for me was the, was the, the, the original one. One, what know? about your 40th where did you have the 40th 10 years ago yeah, we had Dan O'Neill's that must have been a memorable one as oh, well right, back yeah, in the yeah, village yeah, was it we had most of the guys with us there that that played with us over the years, mm. yeah. came and joined us. Yes. You know, most of the names on that. Yeah, so that you know, was a big night yeah, for you as well. Night. What about, didn't you do the Rose of Tralee at one stage, yeah? Yeah. Have you yeah. memories of that? Yeah? Yeah, but that was kind of in, in the dome, you know. Yeah. Val Joyce of RT was the compere, and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a great gig. Now, there was a couple of, there was a couple of uh, bands on, you know, but we were the only kind of, Traditional ballad group, you know. Yes, it was the we night after the rose uh, final. Went fairly well. Mm. You know. mm. That was a big no, one for you as well. One, yeah. Do you yeah. like the bigger or the more intimate venue, the small crowd or what? Where do you prefer? Well, I think the, the session is more intimate. Yes, the, you the love session. that stuff. Yeah, yeah I like that's the, where I, you're at. Your I own like room. the sessions now, you know, yeah. more than, than because. Yeah. We're getting too old for these. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never. Don't say that. You're maturing. You're maturing. Yeah, yeah. Jerry, will you please ask the village folk to the girl called Breach Murray from the league ever play with them? That comes in from Mary Murray and the league. I think you yep. mentioned that already. Yes, yes. Did. yes. did, didn't you? That's yes, Breach. Yeah. Breach was a member yeah. with you, you and Joe Coyle. That's great. That's yeah, great. so yeah. Breach was Mary. Was Michael me. Smith is on. I'm really enjoying this. Where wander down memory lane with village folk. Can you ask them where can I get the song called The Ship That Said, is it? Or The Ship Sh- That Sailed? Shipyard Slips. Ship, we're going to play. 
Yes. We're going to play it for you. We have it lined up here. It's Shipyard Slips you're talking about there, Michael. Yeah. You're going to hear it now, and it's on their album as well. Yeah. Is that album available still? Um, I don't actually think it is at this stage. We only got a couple of hundred copies printed up mm. in time for the 40th anniversary. Yeah. Um, and I think we sold out of them. Yeah. You better do a rerun for the 50th. Yeah, you better think about this. Yeah. Because people would love it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they would. would yeah. Now, listen, it's important to say that the 50th has been celebrated in, celebrated in particular on the 13th of July in Sharkies in Clarehead. You're going back to Clarehead yeah. to where it all began to celebrate your 50th. And you've invited members of the Lifeboat to be in attendance and there'll be some of the guys who played with you showing up on that night as well. And it's open to everybody, everybody isn't it? Everybody, everybody. Everybody. The yeah. 13th of July, Sharkies in Clarehead, the village folk celebrate 50. Here's to the next decade. Can I say that anyway? Absolutely. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. You'll be here for the 60th, please. God, God well. all going well. well. And you're all looking so well. Thank and Ailish, thank you indeed no for bringing yeah. the guys our way and yourself. I'm delighted that they're with us here today. Uh, yeah, to acknowledge them. It's crack is right. The shipyard slips, especially for Michael Smith and all uh, village folk fans out there. Best of luck to you. Thank you. On July the 13th, back in Clotterhead. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Jerry. Thank you very much. Town. I'm on my way on a ship that was built for the tourist trade. And I leave me friends on the land where I was born. And I won't be back till me fortune is made. And I serve me time with the Iron Man. And I've known good times and work. But there's no one now In these troubled times And the shipyard's a lipster line empty For well, me father, me mother fair All ages laid his hand all on you But you loves me well And you never fail Always leaving your sight My heart it will rule and they serve me time with the Iron Man And I've known the times and work of plenty But there's no work now in these troubled times And the shipyards the lips are empty I promise to write when I settle down to ease your mind, cause I know you'll worry But think of the times when I return But don't count the days for the time it will hurry And I serve me time with the Iron Man And I've known the times and world of plenty But there's no work now in these troubled times the shipyards the lips empty I remember the mountains the fresh north air I remember the girls with the friendly stare 
I think of the city and the friends that I have there, and I hope me love she will save me a smile. And I serve me time with the Iron Man. And I've known good times and work plenty, but there's no work now in these troubled times. And the shipyards and lips there lying empty. I'm going away to look for work, but I can't. Days of my returning for a job at home and peace of mind for the Belfast people. I'll always be yearning, and I serve me time with the Iron Man. And I've known good times and work a plenty, but there's no work now in these troubled times. Shipyards and lips there lying empty. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda today. Rick Cronje is back on Late Lunch this afternoon. Listen up if you enjoy your vino. Rick, we have to tell them a little story behind today's feature because I contacted you and I was in Italy recently. Yes. And at dinner a few evenings where we were staying, beautiful place, I took a sip, a little glass of dessert wine after my dinner with my pudding, Rick. I couldn't believe, Rick, how nice it was. I've never really experienced it much in the past. Yeah. Do you like the sweet dessert wines yourself? Absolutely, Jerry. I... you know, I was saying to a few people, it's so underrated. We we tend to keep it for Christmas or for Easter, but in between. And, um, yeah, it is just, it's, it's lovely. Now, you have to have food with it. That's the first thing I must say to listeners. If you think you're going to just sit and sip, uh, it's not going to end well. <laughs> it's not going to end well. It's just too sweet. And the other but thing lovely, you want to, to say, and I just remind you of this in case we forget it, and you, you mm. said it at the end of a, a mail we, uh, we, we sent to each other recently, yes. um, about the chilling, because you, you've told us in the past people over-chill Correct. white wines. Yes, And they you're do. killing the real yes. essence of the wine. Yes. But you want to say something about these dessert or sweet wines? Yeah. The, the difference here, Jerry, is that dessert or sweet and dessert wines, there is a difference there uh, in natural sugar. The difference there is viscosity, the thickness, if I can put it that way. So you need it a little bit longer in the fridge for the chill to get right through the wine. It's a bit like car oil. If you buy a 5W40, that's a thin oil. You buy 15W40, that's a thicker oil. So just to explain, you, you need a little bit longer there just for the chill to go right through because the wine is a little bit so what about an hour in the fridge an hour maximum okay that's all you want but chill it it is important it it. is important to chill it 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 doesn't really sit well when it's warm it is just one of those wines that doesn't sit well let's get going with today's feature on sweet and dessert Mm. wines and our first port of call is spain spain yes a white Rioja. I 
we certainly haven't had a white Rioja on the program. No, not in the because Rioja is no. synonymous with red, is it not? Absolutely. Rick? And when you talk to people about white Rioja, they never really either they haven't seen it or they haven't paid attention to it. Um, but yes, and uh, the one we're going to uh, try today is the Viora, which is a. a, a indigenous grape to it, Macabeo, we'll know it, the, the name Macabeo. And then the Tempranillo, which uh, listeners will know. But this is a Tempranillo Blanco. It's not red. It's a white it's, grape. It's, it's a white grape. It's a mutation of the Tempranillo. So, and when I talk mutation, what I mean is think of the onions. You've got a white onion and we got the red onion. It's a mutation. It just changed color. Believe it or not, it was only discovered in 1988. Really? Yes. So very Pure recent. accident, yeah. So it's a combination, it's a blend here, but the native grape rather than the Tempranillo is the majority in the in blend. It. Well, they both, Tempranillo is yes. also okay. native to Spain, yes. but it's just on the lesser percentage okay. in this particular combination. All right, yeah. so what's the story about this? Is it oaked? How long is, does the processing take? What's the yes, story? Yes, yes. Uh, well, when you do white wines, as we know, you don't keep them too long. Mm. As this is not red that you're trying to get. But what they did with this one was they only kept the, the maceration period, in other words, the brewing period for 12 days, and then they uh, put it onto uh, oak for four months and when they do that that's just to strengthen it a bit there Jerry because they're both very light varieties but uh, I think we'll be impressed with it you know, and the, this the is available where is this one available from uh, well it's from the Musgrave group uh, and uh, Tesco I've seen it in Tesco uh, the Musgrave group this is now your centros and your super value okay. so any of those now uh, as we discussed previously Jerry you might not see it in your specific area because they do promotions from various shops. But certainly this one, I've seen it in Tesco and in uh, Super Value. Okay, yeah. so yeah. it's a yeah. 2017 white Campo yeah. Viego Rioja. Yes. And it'll cost you how much? Uh, between 10 and 12. 10 euro in Super Value, I've seen it for 12 in Tesco. Okay. No. Now, what do you yeah. say about this? Is this a, an aperitif rather than yes. a dessert? This oh, one? absolutely. Okay. No, no, this, this is... To, to get things going. Okay, this is, this is the start the, of the evening. This is the start of the evening. Well, Absolutely. will you pour a drop there and yes. get us going on late lunch for a moment until we yeah. have a little taste of this one. So yeah. you can drink this, you say, by itself, just as to, yes. to get the evening going. But if you wanted to, to pair something with it, what, what would... Very you? light food, uh, Jerry. I would go uh, for, uh, you know, grilled fish or uh, grilled chicken. Nothing heavy because it just wouldn't stand up to it. Uh, my neighbours... I had a big job to help get them to help me test this, Jerry. <laughs> Tom and Magella and, and Vivian Byrne. So... Um, uh, and and what we had, uh, Jerry, we had uh, we we found uh, a spread, uh, cheese spread with a salmon into it, a salmon flavour to it on toast. Beautiful. Do you notice Beautiful. how quiet I've gone? I did. Not like me on this show. Absolutely not. Not like me in life being quiet. <laughs> it's superb. Yeah. It is. It is just lovely. You know, I know yeah. you're mentioning the salmon there, and yeah. maybe you say a little bit of chicken, I see as well, white yeah. fish or that. But honestly, Rick, you could yeah. just chill that slightly and then just enjoy Absolutely. it by itself, couldn't it you? It is, Jerry. This is why I say, as a aperitif, definitely, um, you know, it, it's, there's no question. You, you'll get away with that just being an aperitif. Oh, it's so light and fresh and refreshing, yeah. and it is all those 
spring and summer on the nose. Yeah. It, it, it's lovely, Rick. It really is. Yeah. This is a cracker. Campo Viego Rioja 2017, 10 to 12 euro, super value or Tesco. Tesco, yeah, definitely. You'll find it there. You'll enjoy, um, I promise you, as I'd had a little sip on my lips there. OK, let's move on, uh, Rick, to your second wine yes. today. Now, I love the name for a start. Yes. Turn that bottle round to me, place yes. the label on it. Hive and Honey. honey. Yeah. Does Beautiful. that say what it does in the bottle? Actually, it does, Jerry. For 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 a, for a change, yes. No, it does, Jerry. A beautiful, beautiful. It's a Gewurztraminer. It's the grape variety, hundred uh, percent, all the way from California, of course. It's a grape variety. I I personally think it's totally underrated. Um, I don't know why people are. Uh, I don't know if they're afraid of it or, or not. But, um, of course, Alsace region will be famous for it. Okay, so it is a French grape, synonymous with Alsace. But this one, this grape for this wine today is grown in California. From California. And uh, to remind listeners very briefly, when you head southern hemispheres, now, of course, America is so big, but you're going to get the fruits and that uh, standing out on it. But um, really, really lovely wine. Um, now, it's from the Monterey area yes. uh, in the central coast area of California. Coast of California, This yes. is significant with the climate there, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, because it's it's on the coasts. So what happens, it's very u- unique in this particular area because y- you'll get the, 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 the mist coming off the, the uh, Pacific Ocean and it drifts up. And then, of course, in the afternoon, the sun manages to get into the valleys. So you have that. And then you have the cool breezes in the afternoon. And that is just for Gewurz and Riesling is the other variety. That is a perfect, perfect combination for it. And they can leave the grapes. Is it, am I right to say, well, for a long and extended yes, period on the vine? Exactly, Jerry. Now you have it because that is very important because you've got that coolness in the morning, the heat in the afternoon, and then that breeze. The, the breeze is also important because obviously it cools it, but it, there's no chance for any um, uh, diseases or pests to settle. And that allows it to get a bit more growth and stay on the vine that much longer and when that happens when you keep grapes longer on the vine you lose moisture which means you get a better concentration of the natural sugar a bit like you know uh, the noble rot as we call it yes you know yes uh, settling in well, beautiful that, beautiful let's beautiful have a little wine. taste of this lad yes. till we see what yeah. we make of them it is it's 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 easy to identify you the label stands out Absolutely. hive and honey it says on the label it's yes. a 2018 white wine i'm not going to pronounce the grape you can do it again yes it's a gewurz tramina <laughs> i love that. you need a bit of a throat infection to get that one out yes, there yes, and yes. W- where where is this uh, sold from rick uh, this is actually in Aldi, believe it or not. And how much? And uh, that's a tenner. You've certainly chilled that because I feel oh, it you have. Yes, Coming back yes, to that point you made yes, a moment ago. Yes, yes. you would. Jerry, beautiful bottle. Uh, almost the same, well, it is the same shape, shape as the Alsace It's region. lovely on the nose, Rick. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, it's really, it's like fresh flowers. Oh, it's like putting your, 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 your nose into a rose that's just yeah. opened or something like that. Yeah. Let me have a little taste. Very, very strong on the nose. You're not shy at all. You it's know. lovely. It's beautiful, Jerry. Beautiful. Oh, Absolutely that is stunning. a cracker. That's another cracker that you brought us yeah. today. 
again, talk to me about food pairing, matching there with... Yeah, I, I think the sweetness now, if, if you have a bit of spiciness, um, Asian food, be it, uh, you know, Indian spicy or Chinese spicy, I think that'll settle well with it, you know. That would go and with that type of food, will it? It, yes. it, it, it will, because it'll offset that spiciness uh, with it, you know. Um, now, it, I'm not talking... You know, Vindaloo style. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't want to be on fire. It's water no, you, you need. You don't want to be on that. fire. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. it'll offset that uh, <laughs> very well. Um, and and for the vegetarians, if you have a roasted vegetable, especially the uh, what we call the sweeter vegetables, like your eggplant, for instance, yes. you know, aubergine, or your carrot squashes, that kind of thing. It it will this really will oh it'll match so it. that's for vegetarians it's a perfect yeah, one there. what absolutely. about cheese is there could could you match that with a cheese you could uh, definitely um, especially your 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 softer cheese uh, cow's cheese but I I'd even try Stilton with it okay. I think uh, yeah it would I go think with it that. would go with it Jerry definitely hive and honey yep. white wine Aldi ten euro it's a steal at that price and it's absolutely beautiful. You thought it was sweet after this. Will you come back after the break? Rick has another cracker for you. Stay with us on Late Lunch. He is our virtuoso of vino. Rick Cronje is with us on Late Lunch and he's recommending whites, uh, aperitifs and dessert wines to us today. Let's move on to your third recommendation this afternoon, Rick. So what have we got? Yeah, this one is from uh, France, the southwest of France, uh, Jouranson. And uh, it's uh, now there's uh, one grape in there, but two subspecies, if I can put it like that, uh, Jerry, is the Gru Mosson and the Petit Mosson. Okay. So Mosson is the actual variety, but there's two variations. Uh, there's the bigger one and the smaller grape. So there's two. There's two yeah, the Petit is the small one. There's daddy and baby the, in yes, these grapes. Yes, yes. And uh, what that does is the Petit obviously is, is just more concentrated, uh, low yielding because of concentration of the fruit, whereas the, it's the opposite uh, for the bigger variety of it, you know. Now, I mentioned earlier on mm. about leaving uh, grapes on vines, but this one yeah. takes the biscuit. Yes, it goes right through to December. <laughs> really, Rick? Yes, it does. They uh, leave it there? Yeah, they leave it there. Yeah, they leave And is that there. what, to intensify? That's the- to intensify the flavour. That's to intensify, concentrate the, the natural sugar on it. Now, it's not quite up to your Botrytis or Noble yes. Rot stage, yeah. you know. That's why they take it off, because Botrytis takes it a step further. They wait for the mould to set in, mm. you know, whereas this is just before that. And also the grape variety. It's a very delicate balance now, Jerry, because if you go too far, you could end up with more acidity, you could lose that balance. So, yeah, you've got to know what you're at with this These one. These people so. know how to make yes, this wine, absolutely. that's for sure. Yeah. And it's 2016, and what did you yes. say, Jurancon? What's the pronunciation? Jurancon. That's J-U-R-A-N-C-O-N, and it's, yeah. this is a bargain, is it? Ah, little. How much? Nine euro. Nine euro, Jerry. Do a little yeah. more there till we have a taste you, of this. You know, On the continuum now, before I taste this, will this be the sweetest of all of, yes, of, of what I've tasted be. so far? It will would it be, Jerry? Okay, it would be all right. Let's have a have a little taste of of that. So, if this is really sweet, and I mentioned to you being away there, um, yes, matching wines with pudding or dessert that you have at the yes. end of a meal, it, it's a huge area that's really under. Uh, appreciated in this country, would you say, still? Absolutely, Jerry. As I say, we, we tend to just keep it for 
special occasions. And yet uh, there's a variety of food that goes with these wines. And when we talk sweet and dessert, I think people have it in their head, you know, something like a port or a sherry, whereas these are just below that. And it's really, really class. I'm getting pineapple there. Yes, definitely. I'm really getting a pineapple flavour on that wine. Absolutely. Again, it is gorgeous. And I know it's a sweet wine. So what's the foil with this? What are you saying? What are we putting this wine along with? Well, again, you know, uh, uh, I would probably a chicken tikka masala. I think that will go well with it. Um, a, a bit stronger cheese will probably stand up to it now. It wouldn't quite be a Rockerford or something like mm, that, you know, mm. uh, would stand up uh, uh, to it. But apple pie. I was going to say that. Like, no, I'm saying to you, pineapple. And I'm still getting that. It's a, it's, you can see body in that wine for sure when you hold oh, it up yes. to the light there. Oh, but, yes. Uh, mm. Apple pie to go with an yeah, actual absolutely sweet. Yeah, Jerry. Now something like a, a, a mixed fruit bowl won't because there'll be acidity in that, and that'll clash with this, you know. So like an apple uh, pie will be lovely because it's one dish, and it's generally quite sweet, mm. and it'll stand up to that. Definitely. And again, you say in your notes of this one, give it a good chill. That's yes, the important thing. With this. Give it a good hour. Absolutely. And Absolutely. The other thing is, if you if you chill it, say like you have a full bottle here, and let's say you you half drink it, is it yeah. okay to put it? Say it's out a while, put it in again for a, a time and take it back out. You know, in the one evening. Yes, or yes. if 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 uh, you know, just whenever you want it, just put it back in the fridge for an hour. It'll stand up to that, you know, mm. rather than leave it in the fridge and then you know, because then we're going back to what we said before. Then you'll over chill it mm. completely. That's the difference. So any wine, white wine, once you've uh, got anything left over, I would rather keep it out and just put it back in when I need it for okay. that small time. Yeah, it'll stand up to it. And again, just saying that if you're not drinking at all, what's the time limit days wise? Remind three us of that days, again. Jerry. I, I wouldn't go more than three days. After I that, really, it's... No, no, it's, it's air. Mm. Air, oxygen is your biggest enemy in wine. Mm. That really is. So every time you open it, it's exposed to it. So after three days, I, I definitely wouldn't. This has been fascinating today because Rick has talked an awful lot about, you know, uh, Asian oriental foods that these wines actually go perfectly with. And it's something for us to try. And really, uh, I, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. So three whites today and that final one there, nine euro from Lidl is called... Yeah, the Yuan Son. And, 2016. Uh, 2016. You can't miss it. You'll see it there straight yeah. away. I think that uh, uh, hive and honey is the nicest oh, label beauty. I've seen in a long time. Beautiful. Y- beautiful. You couldn't miss it and the bee on yeah. the top of it. Now, just as an aside, we're almost finished, but yes. you brought something here. What's this you have on the desk <laughs> well, for me? This is a surprise. I, uh, surprised me, Jerry. Uh, when I was uh, collecting the wines, uh, I just saw this uh, small tin of rosé wine in a tin. Um, I don't know what size it is. I think it's a 200 mil size. Um, and this is a new thing now. I saw Pinot Grigio. I saw Rosé. This was also in uh, in Lidl. Uh, I think they were 180 a tin. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah, what can I say? Is this I, a new departure for you? I, I've never seen that before, uh, Jerry. Wine, no, wine in a little in tin? A tin. No, no, I've never seen it. 
Do you want to taste it? Uh, no, no, I'll leave it to somebody else, Jerry. I'm still old school. It's going to be in a glass, even the Do old. Do you mind if uh, I open it? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. Let's do this. It's, um, uh, I think that it's made to be fit in a, in a, in a handbag, I think. It's not sparkling rose, is it? It is frizzante. Frizzante is sparkling. Sparkling rose. Maybe they'll put sparkling in the tins because <laughs> they do it with with their minerals and, yeah, and you know things like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's just for handiness. To be honest with you, uh, Jerry. Um, it's grand. Yeah. It's grand. Yeah. And if I say it'll to you do. something's grand, you know what I mean? It's grand. <laughs> yeah. it's grand. It, it'll do between here and uh, whichever concert you go into. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with you on this one. <laughs> I think wine should be kept in glass. But yeah. who knows? Where is this world going? Anyway, yeah, I suppose all we can say it is is a recyclable material like the glass as well. But yeah. there you have it. So about one euro odd in a tin of it suits you and it's a sparkling rosé as well. God forbid the world goes like this of wine, Rick. Oh. We don't want it, please. No, no, Jerry. Uh-huh. Keep it limited. That's it. <laughs> very, very limited. <laughs> anyway, Rick, thank you so much for taking your wines to us today. We'll uh, have more information of this available after the show. Of course, this is podcast again. And Rick, until the next time. And next time, he is for the summer. We'll be in the month of July. Will you have a look at rosés for oh, us? Oh, yes. It's rosé then. Real rosés. Not Real in rose. the tin. Next no. time with the virtuoso himself, Rick Cronje, for the moment. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jerry. Martina Fitzgerald wrote a book recently about women in Irish politics. It was called Madam Politician. That's the answer we were looking for. And well done to Kathleen Dempsey from Trim, who provided us with the correct answer. And Kathleen, you're getting a pair of passes to the Hinterland Festival for tomorrow. So you can go anywhere you like, or see anyone you like in Kells tomorrow. And we'll be in touch straight away after the show to make the arrangements with you. Top of the show, Nicola Cairns was due to join us to talk about the issue of iPads at Retote College. She did Declined her invitation after we uh, gave her sight of an email sent to LMFM from a teacher at the school. Not signed, but signed as a teacher in the school. And we've had a lot of comments since. Some extensive ones as well uh, from uh, a number of parents who are saying they actually support uh, the uh, iPad initiative at the school. It's been going since 2014 there anyway. Uh, somebody else saying, I support the school, Jerry, uh, and I'm not surprised uh, that uh, Nicola didn't uh, talk to you on late lunch this afternoon. Bernie connell has been on to say, Ballamakenny College are using the iPads, costing, uh, she says, €700. Euro, I believe it's about 570 is is the charge at the college, Bernie, there. Uh, it's a lot of money for parents to pay. It's an awful lot. Uh, I think it's ridiculous, says Bernie. Um, uh, as regards the uh, interviews at the top of the show about last night's uh, primetime investigates feature on the Greyhound industry, in particular greyhounds uh, who are not wanted and after they've passed their sell-by date. I'm sorry, cruelty to animals has to be stopped. Let's face it, they don't love animals. It's all uh, about money and the dogs are shipped off to China. General type of comment there, but uh, you heard the greyhound guys saying they're totally opposed to this, they're against it, it should be stopped. People who do this should be brought to boot. Uh, another one saying, regarding your feature on the greyhounds, I was disappointed to hear uh, one of your guests at the end refer to the RT programme as drivel. The facts are there. It doesn't matter if a greyhound is bred for track or coursing field. The dog is still a greyhound. I think one of the greyhound rescues should have been given a chance to explain their predicament when it comes to rehoming greyhounds. We'll 
I'd like to follow up on that actually now that you mention it. Thanks indeed for your comment. And another one there in supporting uh, parents uh, who are in favour of the iPads at, at the school in Red Thoth. Just like to mention that Knockbridge School Reunion is happening tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the List 2 Bar and Re- Restaurant. 20 euro. Anthony Hoy is the man to contact. 87 296 is the number you need to call there. Now, Fla Kjolna Heron. Year two, Drogheda. It's its final year in Drogheda. What a success it was last time round. But there's been a lot of idle chat to say, oh, it won't happen. It'll be cancelled because of the problems that's going on in the town with violence, a tough war and drugs between two factions. It can't happen. Well, Paddy Donnelly is Secretary of the Festival and Director of Services at Loud County Council. And he's on the line with me. Good afternoon, Paddy. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for having me on this afternoon. Not at all. Paddy, I, you heard what I said there, the speculation that's going on, the idle chat. What have you to say today? Well, indeed, Jerry, and such a wonderful and glorious day it is in Drogheda, and I hope we will see many of those weather days in August when we again welcome back FLA for year two. And what we are planning for is bigger and better. And you rightly introduced this as idle chat. And Many, many years ago, long before I was around to hear it, they talk about loose tongues uh, causing problems for, for nations and that loose tongues in this sense cause problems for Drogheda in anyone suggesting that there was any question about Drogheda not hosting the FLA for the second year. I can assure you that since last year's FLA ended, the FLA committee started immediately to make preparations for FLA 2019. And our preparations have continued apace since then and have picked up now uh, in the last number of weeks, when all our plans are again coming together, we are certainly better placed this year to understand the volumes of people and the extent of the preparations that we have made. We were satisfied that all of the plans and preparations we made last year met the, the needs of what is a modern-day FLA and what is now known as the bar has been raised by Drogheda, which will be known as the Drogheda Standard. And we have had uh, never had any inclination at all that we were going to stall on the delivery of the fly in Drogheda. Certainly, Jerry, and look, I've been on LMFM speaking with this with your colleagues. We recognise there are challenges in Drogheda, and there are challenges in many communities throughout throughout the length and breadth of the county and indeed the, the country uh, about about the, the situation. And it has unfortunately manifested itself in Drogheda. But however. They are, as you say, they are two groups uh, that are a feud is, is ongoing. And we are satisfied as a flag committee, working closely with Garda Síochána. We've great relationships with them. They manage the policing and security elements of any event that happens in relation to a, a public event in the town. That's supplemented and augmented by the arrangements we will put in place with security and stewards and that. And we are satisfied and have worked closely with the guards in relation to this, that our flower will proceed and it will be a safe and pleasant event for families from far away to come and enjoy Drogheda as they had, did in 2018. Thousand volunteers or more last year. Same again this year, Paddy, and uh, up to half a million people over the week visiting the town. You reckon you can equal that or maybe even better at this time round? Yes. Well, absolutely, Jerry. and the numbers are, are someone else's business. I, I, I was busy enough with other matters I didn't count them, but <laughs> sure. certainly the, the figure is what has been, has been certainly mentioned. And uh, yes, the Loud Volunteer Centre, led by Gráinne Beryl, is still taking uh, details of 
those who want to volunteer their service and support the flag because it is an honourable thing to get out there and support your community in this way and to show the wider communities of Ireland and internationally that Drogheda is not about the, these tit-for-tat feuds that's on. It's Drogheda is bigger than that and Drogheda is about community. Drogheda is about the people in it and the people that come out and volunteer. And if you, you could see the enthusiasm on the volunteers last year and the work they done was tremendous. Without the volunteers, it wouldn't have happened. And those volunteers came from Drogheda and came from far and wide. And I said the team in Loud Volunteer Centre are busy taking details around our first training session uh, last night for the, the, the volunteers. And we're getting a great response. So this loose talk about no fly is certainly not on any of our minds. And uh, we're delighted to welcome anyone who wants to come and support us in any way they can, because we are, as I said, planning for, for a bigger and better event than we had last year. And hopefully that's what we will deliver because it won't be for the want of, of trying. It's uh, certainly um, a great honour to, to be able to host the FLA in, in any town and to host it for a second time is uh, all the better because it gives everyone the opportunity to, to do things that little bit better or a little bit different. It gives people who haven't had an opportunity to be involved in the FLA, to get involved in year two and, and serve the community in, in some small way. Paddy, great to hear from you today and was delighted to give you the airtime because you've been uh, out and about uh, pushing this message from early on today. Thank you for joining us on the show, Paddy. Wish you and your team well. Thank you very much, Jerry. Good afternoon. Not at all. Thank you. That's Paddy Donnelly there, Secretary of the FLA Festival and Director of Services at Loud County Council. The FLA is on and it's going to be a cracker. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Porpoise. Have you ever come across a porpoise in your time? Do you know what it is? If you've been down at the seaside, you may have seen them. Well, we have a story of a porpoise that's been washed up on the beach at Baltray. Brendan Price from the Irish Seal Sanctuary is on the line. Afternoon, Brendan. Hello, Jerry. Long time. Oh, I was going to say that. Too long, Brendan. We have to do a longer catch-up than this, I promise you. But here you've I'm in the back room, but we've always got stories. Absolutely. Indeed, you have, and I always keep an eye on you as well. What's this? A porpoise on Baltray. Is this unusual or common? Um, it's in a sense it's to be um, to, 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 to be proven one way or the other if you look at the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group who run um, a, a wonderful sighting and stranding scheme you know, both for the live strandings and also for recording the dead animals and uh, your listeners will probably be familiar with them if not it's iwdg.ie mm. and uh, they go through all the species and there's distribution maps so it's not the first time it's just, it, it is unusual. My wife spotted, we went down for a lovely walk in Baltray, and my wife spotted a couple of blackback gulls hanging around, um, and they were actually, when we went over to see what they were at, they were at the young porpoise, and eviscerating it and having a feast. Um, so what the records would tell you is that the animals are ubiquitous, which is a kind of fancy way of saying um, they're everywhere, and we don't know, are they the same ones we're looking at, say, um, you know, down further south, say, around Skerries and Lamb Bay, or are they yeah. related to the ones in Clarehead or whatever? Mm. So the Parks Wildlife Service and the Whale and Dolphin Group are doing a little bit of research, um, you know, on the spatial distribution of the animals and their relatedness. So why they are, it's, a, it's an individual, so they're, they're, they must be out there. Now yeah. is the peak time for their breeding. Mm. And uh, they're, they stay inshore most of the year um, and then go offshore a little bit for the breeding and come back. So this little animal um, was probably a few days, maybe a week or so old. 
Um, there was no sign of the umbilicus, and they have little natal folds along their skin when they're born first, which um, from being crumpled up in the womb, and that. So it's very important for them to get their first breath when they're born underwater, and that. So they're moving around in little family groups. Um, you know, I. I'm not familiar enough to say they um, aren't un- aren't aren't common. I think they are quite common. Yeah. But it's the first time I came across one actually okay. on Baltray. On Baltray, and it's a baby, and uh, obviously uh, something happened that unfortunately it died and was washed up. I've seen them, Brendan. Uh, uh, it's a couple of years ago when I'd go um, mackerel fishing off the rocks in Clotter Head. If it was a calm enough day, right. and they're magical to see them because the name it does what it says in the tin of porpoises. You just see this back appearing slowly and going back oh, down into the water. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're lovely, and, and that's it. Yeah, they, um, you know, so they're probably you know they they we we're not sure how far they range. They're mm. probably pretty local, and finding one about Dre is probably related to Clower Head in some way or other. Yes, yes. Um, but the Loudmead coastline um, is pretty rich. Like, I was just thinking back there uh, from what we, why we put out the news on it, though, was to actually just make people aware that they are breeding now. Um, but most of all, that records are extremely important in building up a knowledge of these animals. Marine mammals are particularly difficult to, to study and study their behaviour and study their life cycle, study their diets, their movements over the seasons, over the years. So citizen power, you know, provides the eyes and ears that the scientists can't cover, the, yeah. you know, the territory. And uh, so anybody that finds them should be where they're there. If they see a flock of birds actually uh, feeding, look below. They might see the little fins you're describing. And um, if they see them, to report them into the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. Because, they, you know, over 30 years nearly now, they've built up fantastic records and... Um, the other thing I'd say is, you know, just as regards the coastline, uh, I hope you're doing well with the mackerel. Um, <laughs> no, the, we're not, we're not, but that's another story. Go on. Right. <laughs> yeah. But just, just remembering over the, the, the few years, like, um, you know, we, we, I remember um, we were rescuing with the Boyne River Rescue people, um, white-sided dolphins up at Anagassan. There was a big leathery turtle, biggest reptile in the world, size of a mini, um, stranded up there. Down in Laytown, there used to be an old picture in the old Neptune Hotel of a sperm whale that came up on the um, the beach there. And um, the warden, Julie Staines, up there in Rathlin Island, is fairly, most seasons, she's spotting some even of the bigger whales coming down by Rathlin and entering the Irish Sea. And that, So it's very, you know, it's it's great to, to have eyes and ears. Yes. Um, like I say, I'm just kicking the ball off there. I've logged a report with the Whale and Dolphin Group. Um, for people that want to know more about them um, or any of the other species that we have in our waters um, or where to go on a particular day. It's updated daily. You know, so like if um, a pad of orcas turned up, you know, uh, off Connemara, you know, that would be open. Yeah. People and might drive to see them. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's why you're with me today. I know it's about the little porpoise, sadly, that passed away, and it's a bit unusual. But to say that they are out there off our coast in Loudoun Mead, if you are on the beach or you're on the seaside and you see something, take note of it and report it to iwdd.ie. They love to hear. And as you said, Brennan, it is building an important picture. Oh, it's great, the information. We, like, we run a Dead Seal database. You know, and the information we're getting from that is completely different and... Uh, additional to the information we've got over the years working with live seals you know? yeah so very important and you know you know the ordinary public are very well educated um 
they see the nature, they see the wildlife, they travel to see it in other places. Uh, they're good at recording forensically, you know, when they're asked to do it. So um, I, your researcher was asking me how much records they're aware of uh, that particular coastline. And I, I'm not sure, to be quite honest. That's why yeah. I say go to the... Um, the website to check yeah, to, out. to the website that we mentioned there. Brendan, have to leave it there. Do a catch up down the road with you, I promise you. Keep up the great work with the Seal Sanctuary. Take care. Thanks, Jerry. Take nice care of yourself, Brendan. Bye bye. That's Brendan Price there from the Irish Seal Sanctuary. That's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We're out and about tomorrow. Yes, if you're in Kells, pop in and say hello. We're at the Headford Arms live with late lunch tomorrow afternoon. And I'd love to uh, see you there if you're in that uh, district. Anyway, until then, Eddie's up next with the drive. See you tomorrow in Kells. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors. Setting the standards higher for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit your regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.